0: Hello, welcome to the Funky Collective. Today we're reviewing Zombieland. And, you know, just a little bit of an episode on it. And I just thought, you know, well, uh, why not? This episode's going to be explicit because I say an odd curse word and, you know, it's not exactly like I I can say it's clean at all. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, but, uh, yeah. Non-spoiler part and then I will do the spoiler part. And I will let you know uh, when that is. So, yeah, like with my usual movie ones, I'm going to put the shout-outs in the middle this time. We uh have a movie here that uh, John Carpenter turned down directing, that Woody Harrelson actually learned the banjo for that one little scene. I'm not going to say what, though, yet. Um, I think that uh, John Carpenter did turn it down because he really... He, loved, he liked the screenplay. He likes that sort of thing. But it was like a TV pilot, and he was like, I can do TV, but my schedule's a bit busy for movies, you know, and yeah, because the, the thing it was going to be a TV pilot, um, and, uh, basically the reason why the movie has a kill, kill of the week thing in terms of the zombie thing is because they really were going to do that if it were to become a TV show. Now, keeping in mind, I've not seen the sequel yet. I've only seen the first one. And yeah, I saw this one day on, I think, uh, Foxtel when I used to have it. Um, that's, uh, for those unaware, that's like an Australian cable sort of thing. But, uh, yeah. Overall, I think that this movie is very much fun. It's not over long. It doesn't outstay its welcome. It allows slow and fast parts, and it's very fast-paced, and there's, you know, a bit of a... It's mostly more comedy than horror. You know, that's, uh, it's balanced somewhere between... Well, Ghostbusters is like, you know, full-out comedy, barely horror at all. Um. This is uh, not exactly, it's not Ghostbusters, but this one's basically like more, uh, there is some horror element to it, but it's not really focused on that, although they don't really bother toning down any blood or well, that sort of thing. Although all the blood's computer generated, just like in Zodiac, actually, Um. which uh, I don't know how I really feel about, like computer generated stuff, that can be pretty great. You know, like you can have... For example, in Zodiac, David Fincher's Zodiac, of course, you have the backgrounds, and they're all computer-generated, and they look so photorealistic, it's insane. It is just insane. Even though, you know, I I do, I, I remember I thought Zodiac was decent, but maybe I gotta watch it again. Maybe my my opinion will become better on it if I watch it again down the track, you know, because sometimes the slower films I have to watch twice before I really like them, like with uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, but I digress. In fact, you know what? I would love to do an episode on 2001 one day, honestly. <laughs> um, my apologies for uh, not doing an episode last week, by the way. It's just because I had a bit of a mild anxiety about it because... Uh, You know, I hadn't done one on a movie in a while and I was afraid I was just going to screw it up and stuff and all that shit. You know, I just, yeah, shit gets to you, you know. But before I continue um, with my non-spoiler part, I will say that those uh, those who suffer from any form of anxiety or depression know that you're not alone, know that mental health is important, and I absolutely encourage you to have all the, to get all the help you can, to, to treat yourself kindly, to, you know, do everything in your power, to make you and the people around you just, uh, you know, feel, feel good, feel secure, like, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to help people, don't be afraid for people to reach out to you, you know, you know what I'm saying, as a person with anxiety and depression myself, I thought I'd just uh, say that. That, uh, yeah, you are not alone, okay? Alright, so uh, that was probably a bit wordy, but, uh, back to the non-spoiler part, so that I don't go over 20 minutes or so. Or if I do, I do. Who cares? Anyway, but, uh, okay, so. Apparently, Ruben Fleischer, who, di- who directed the film, he was more he was inspired a bit by Shaun of the Dead, which, uh it feels different to Shaun of the Dead, I mean, I would say maybe this was, this is like very American, that one's very British, and man, I think Shaun of the Dead is my favourite zombie movie thus far, um, just, uh, I know that's a big claim, but, uh, you know, there are a lot of movies I gotta catch up on, and I happen to not have seen the George Romero trilogy yet, so there you go, there you go. I also can't believe that this film was shot in 42 days, and apparently the original title was, it sounded like a sequel, you know, the folks at Columbia were like, oh, this sounds like a sequel, don't do it, Um, the original title being Another Day in Zombieland. Um, the film does explain it at the beginning how uh, the zombie outbreak came to be, which many films leave a mystery, so it was an interesting decision for that, but yeah, so... I do appreciate that it's 88 minutes, don't get me wrong, I love a good long film, but if you can have something in under 90 minutes or or 95 minutes, then great, that's that's perfect too, just, you know, don't waste your time, that's what I'm thinking, I, I like when films just keep moving along at a certain pace, you know, but uh, yeah. Um, don't expect a satisfactory 4K experience out of this, it was shot 1080p like Speed Racer and Avatar. But uh, yeah, the film was even <coughs> it was finished in two K. So yeah, um, I that's just a bit of a problem I'm having with Hollywood mastering films for theaters and uh, and home media now. The fact that a lot of them still do it in two K, even though it was clearly shot at higher resolution, or or they shoot it at two K and they decide to say, oh, well, we can make some extra money. Let's make a four K disc. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure apparently the second one I think was shot 2K, was mastered at 2K, maybe not shot, I can't remember right now, but I digress. Anyway, so, all the blood is CGI, just like I said, and there's an error in this film, technically. Anytime someone fires a shotgun, there is no recoil. But overall, those are minor technical things, I guess. But overall, the movie's fun, and the characters are. You know they're likable and they have basic arcs and stuff and I'll uh, get a little more into that because I have a bit of a unusual comparison for that in the spoiler section so yeah I think that uh, I think that I'm gonna go into spoilers now but first of all after seven long rambling minutes and I'm sorry about that that I rambled on so much to the shoutouts, thank you for waiting this long, if you're still listening, you get $50. Nah, kidding, I don't have any money on me. <laughs> Please, no one rob me. Alright, anyway, um, okay, shoutouts to Tessica, when X Japan, LC Cool, Film Marmetic Contrera, Ashy Slashy, Dick Chris White, Apple Park Films, Schlock Cluster Video, Eloisa Hilton, Autistic in Melbourne, Naked Airplane, Teacup Arinos, Cinema Madness Podcast, also to Larry19372621, Films with Amy Zeus. Caution Spoilers, JGWR, Heavenly Imagine. Elsa. 1, Still Mellow, Zach Ascot, Marbella Unicorn, Fizz Popcast, W-Rated Podcast, Real Sharks Podcast, aka Rirushaku, Sam from IJ, The Mizun Singh Company, and Eric Sloss, 1383. Uh, yeah. Let's go into the full-on spoiler section. Alright? Now. Alright. I think that the Metallica song in the opening credits is fantastic. I've always... I've always liked that music from when I was growing up as a teenager. You know, it's like, uh, I I do like how the text is interacted with in the credits. It's just, I like when they do something special with the credits. You don't really see too many opening credit sequences these days. And, you know, some of them, I guess are just on, uh, I don't know, white on black or whatever, but, uh, you you get the better ones, you get the stuff like, uh you get the stuff like this, and you get the stuff like Panic Room, Fight Club, Seven, that sort of thing, which really puts uh, a good effort into the credits, and, you know, I love when they do that, and honestly, part of me wishes they just put all the credits at the beginning, I know some people would probably disagree with me on that, but something like Vertigo, or Lawrence of Arabia, or something like that, have the, all the credits at the beginning, and uh, just have it like that, you know? But also, I would like to say that uh, I like how the beginning of this film avoids the car won't start cliche, because, you know, he doesn't even unlock his car. And when he gets into the car, it starts immediately. You know, in horror movies, when he's like, oh, the car won't start. Ah, vroom, vroom. Um, Halloween does that, actually, in 1978. But that can be forgivable because it was 1978 and slashes were mainly just kind of starting. It had been four years since the first major one and arguably actually 18 years because, you know, Psycho in 1960. Anyway, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I do like, uh, that, uh, this film takes a very campy tone in which the jump scares can just work better in that way sometimes. You have something like The, con- the Conjuring, which is like, you know, well we'll treat it seriously, we'll make it unexpected almost, and uh, we'll play with your expectation of jump scares. But this film doesn't play it very seriously, you know? It's just the comedic tone allows things to just be, you know, you're not expecting jump scares to actually scare you in this one. It's like, yeah, as I said before, it's not Ghostbusters, but it's not an American werewolf in London either. It's uh, something, yeah, you know what I was saying, you know? But, uh, yeah, it's... uh, works in a horror comedy that doesn't really intend to be scary but also there's like non-verbal interaction character introdu- introduction that uh, is good and um, you know the way that Woody Harrelson gestures for Jesse Eisenberg to take his hand off the gun and Eisenberg is like gesturing you know I want some someone to pick me up for hitchhiking you know he says it just with his thumb pretty much and yeah that's that's pretty cool I also like the way that uh Well, the, uh, the fake Twinkies, um, that's a, yeah, that's a thing at the, well, I I did say spoiler section, obviously, so it's interesting. You know, he's looking for Twinkies the whole movie and then, well, he finally gets to eat one, but Woody Harrelson's vegan and apparently, um, Twinkies have egg and a bit of beef things in it. Yeah. I, I know, I know a few people who are vegan. I do. And that's okay. You know, you do you. I, I could never be vegan. I just, I never really like the substitutes. Anyway, but uh, yeah, you do you. That's just me. All right. I respect everyone's decision in what they eat. Anyway, but uh, yeah, I was going to say he used fake Twinkies when they, when he ate one at the end, which, uh, you know, they've done that also on, uh, funny enough, another movie that featured Emma Stone, to Help, from 2011. Um, I believe Bryce Dallas Howard was eating fake meat, um, in a scene where she was supposed to eat meat. So it looked kind of real. Um, Zodiac was actually another example of that because Mark Ruffalo, well, that was a weird example because Mark Ruffalo is a vegetarian and still he technically puts some meat in his mouth before spitting it out, which if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, why would you put meat in your mouth in the first place? You know, I know like he directed, like Fincher probably directed him to, but, you know, couldn't you have found, like, a substitute that looked similar? I just don't know, you know? I mean, if you can G.I. in the backgrounds and the blood in Zodiac, then why not have Mark Ruffalo have, you know, fake meat in the sandwich? Just make it, I don't know, a vegetable sandwich if you don't have any meat substitutes and then add in the meat later. Yeah, so I think Zombieland had a good workaround with that. Um, overall, I do think that... Uh, <laughs> It's uh, interesting the tricks they use in the movies like that to accommodate different people with different things. So anyway, moving on from that, I uh, you know I I do like uh there's the common thing in films of course where uh well, well not as common, but you know, like you see something and then you make something up based on that. Like for example, when uh, Jesse Eisenberg is lying about when he had sex or something like that. And he looks at a FedEx truck and FedEx has just spilled a- across the road, the packages. And uh, he's like, three weeks ago in the back of a FedEx truck, that's when I did it. You know, something to that effect. And yeah, it's just, uh, that that's a, uh, I normally, I'm normally like, well, I don't know, cutting quickly has never really been my style in terms of movies, but it can work sometimes. And, uh, you know, just a brief insert shot like that, 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 de- that definitely works. That's always been used. That's one of the cases where it really works apart from say, Psycho or, or Bonnie and Clyde and that sort of thing. Yeah. But also, yeah. Oh, great. Seven more rambling minutes. Oh man. I apologize if you're still listening to this. I must sound like a madman, <laughs> but that's okay. If you want to, yeah, if you want to listen, you can listen. It's all good. Obviously. Like I... I don't get much of an audience, but those who do want to come along, that, that helps. That definitely helps. So thank you if you're still listening. In all seriousness, thank you if you're still listening. Anyway, uh, moving on, moving on. Yeah. I, I do think that, uh, there was a little tribute to Deliverance in there when he, when Woody plays, uh, dueling banjos. That was pretty cool. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I always thought it's like, There's, of course, there's the scene in that where uh, Wichita and her uh, little sister are pretending that the little sister has to be killed off because she's turning into a zombie. And, you know, it turns out they're acting. And I always kind of found that fascinating in a way because actors playing people who have to act and, you know, it's like the layers can go even deeper. Maybe, I don't know, an actor who has to act uh, as an actor, who has to act, who has to act, then who has to act, then it can go infinitely. It's just that meta sense of things, even in films that don't really have it. Oddly enough, uh, I think that uh, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, the two people who wrote this film, um, went on to uh, write the fourth wall-breaking Deadpool. Of course, oh man, I love Deadpool. I just yeah, he's he has a very twisted sense of humor, and he's. Um, you know, at least most of you know Deadpool, you know, he's just, he's just a smart ass. I like that. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, like, uh, Zombieland was a smaller film and that shows you can work up from writing for Zombieland, which is great, by the way, like something around 30 million for this film. And then you can go to Deadpool, which is maybe 50, 60 million mid-budget sort of thing, take a bit more of a risk at a studio. Technically Zombieland was a studio film too, but yeah, I do think that uh, studios should take more chances on things like this. Maybe the slightly lower budget stuff. Maybe the, I know that uh, Fincher had sixty million for Gone Girl, um, or something like that. I'm estimating there. I don't know the exact budgets of these, but uh, yeah, I know we have to adjust for inflation and everything. And yeah, don't ask me how inflation works. I've, I'm 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 nine I'm like nineteen and a bit. <laughs> so I don't know how the hell money works yet. Anyway, I'm learning. Anyway, anyway. Um, yeah. So I do think that uh, I do think that uh, it's interesting the way that uh, people normally say, "Well, jump cuts. Why would you use jump cuts?" And I'm thinking, well, uh, the, like I'm pretty sure I've heard about the French New Wave using jump cuts to skip parts of a conversation because there's like one scene where they're driving along and they're like. Uh, you know, it cuts between a different subject. It cuts um, there and cuts there. You know, and they're switching positions in the car and stuff. And you know, it just it's a time saver, really. And jump cuts are nothing to be afraid of, I think, because they can they can work magic. You know, there's a there's one in Anchorman in which uh, one guy goes behind the door and then opens the door and uh, suddenly appears quite different. But uh, yeah that that's a great example of a jump cut. In fact, I was watching I was watching a video that uh, was talking about uh, different types of cuts. A fantastic video from I think it was uh raw, I think it was Rocket Jump or Film Riot, I can't remember. But they were showing one from The Sting in which another man's hands came in to uh, sort out the cards and uh, yeah, and do the card trick and stuff. But you know, I I loved that effect, that invisible effect, but one little thing bothered me after someone pointed it out. And that was, well, one of the cards is positioned slightly differently over at the right there. And I'm thinking, oh man, come on. But I digress. I just thought I'd go on that little tangent because I thought it was interesting. And you know, like, yeah, it's, it was, it was still a great effort though. They got the lighting right, which like kudos to them, that would be impossible, impossible to do. But anyway, look, I'm rambling a lot more than I would in a usual movie review because, you know, I feel like I, I feel like elaborating on various things. Anyway, so yeah, I do think that uh, I I do think that it was uh, a cool thing when they go to Hollywood. Of course, that is my favorite sequence because, especially there, that's the film's penchant for, you know having the funny things, and then having some sad things that are, you know, balanced by the comedy so it doesn't become a full drama. Like when uh, we find out that Woody Harrelson's uh, characters, of course, uh, his son is his son, not a dog. And that is that is a sad moment, definitely. But, you know, they sort of, they, they don't really want to go to, like, emotional depths in that one. Sorry, I... Why can I never pronounce depth? dep dep dep, dep de dep sir. Okay, I did it. I did it. <laughs> anyway, but, okay. Yeah, like, uh, something like, even when um, Eisenberg accidentally shoots Bill Murray, you know, like, uh, it's, you know, it's offset by that bit of humor. Like, Abigail Breslin asking him, you know, you have any regrets? And he's like, oh, Garfield, maybe. <laughs> and just... Just uh that was actually an improvisation on his part, which uh, I thought was pretty funny. And uh, you know what? Whenever I've met a celebrity, I've been just as excited about meeting celebrities as uh, as Harrelson is in this movie. You know, like uh, of course he's going, yeah, it's Bill fucking Murray. Oh man, that's that's me inside whenever I meet a celebrity. Honestly, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I I feel like I feel like the film may have put one of its uh, slight influences into the film cuz when when they're watching stuff at his mansion they they have a clip from Ghostbusters where uh, they're saying, you know, that's a big twinkie, you know, in terms of measuring something scientific, I think. Well, yeah. But I do think uh, I was just talking about the little bits of comedy during dramatic moments. Um but uh, yeah, even even when Woody is crying over his son, Woody Harrelson he uh, wipes his tears with Monopoly money. You know, little touches like that that keep it not as serious, you know, for this type of tone. And I, I'm not saying you can't pull off comedy and drama together. Like, you can pull it off with Little Miss Sunshine. You can pull it off with uh, even Toy Story 2, which has a fantastic example. Um, um uh, Be aware that I did an episode on the entire Toy Story trilogy. Yes, Trilogy. Sorry, I treat it like it's Indiana Jones. Um. Anyway, but, uh, yeah, that, yeah, the trilogy. I did a, I did one on the trilogy ages and ages and ages ago now. But if you want to go search for that, it was, like, I think, one of my first episodes, and it runs about an hour. But, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, here is the thing about this structure that uh, I wanted to say, which is that uh, with uh, the character arcs. I think that the way that, uh, the way that, you know, they trust, like, for example, Wichita, Emma Stone trusts the people and then she doesn't at one point and then she goes back to trusting them It's like the old, if something similar happens with Woody Harrelson and Jesse Eisenberg, really. And it's kind of like the old romantic comedy, um, boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets back girl. That's sort of similar to the Liar Revealed thing, the romantic comedy, the I'm. I'm not saying it's either of those, really, but it's a similar sort of thing. Um, person meets person, person loses person over something. In this case, lack of trust on uh, Wishita's part, and then they get back together. In well, platonically, of course, except for uh, Stone and Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> but uh, yeah, of course. I'm yeah. I know I'm probably confusing you with the celebrity names, but yeah, talking about the movie, of course. Anyway. I do think that, uh, and I wonder if anyone, I'm sure some of you will get this reference, but Bill Murray accidentally getting shot by Heisenberg uh, is, uh, I think it's the Marvin moment of the movie. Anyway, um, yeah, I do think that uh, one technique used in this film, it's relatively standard, but it's tried and tested. Within the, within the climax, you build things to the maximum interest, and I've heard this uh, applied before to various things, so I'll repeat it here for you build things to maximum interest in one place in the climax, then cut to another thing, eventually pay them off in rapid succession. So, yeah. And the film really trusts you to know things earlier. There there was, it was said no names, but then we hear Krista, just after the climax, you know, from Wichita. Um, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, but she says her real name's Krista. And, uh, yeah, that indicates obviously it's her real name. All she needs to say is Krista. Not uh not he doesn't need to say oh no names, no names, because we know. And the best film that that did this was No Country for Old Men. Um you'll see uh there's a brilliant vid- video from Lessons from the screenplay where they talk about no country for old men and they trust people to uh to basically put two and two together in various cases. But I'm not gonna spoil that for you. And if you haven't seen No Country for Old Men, I highly recommend that one. But it's a very different film from this one. Um, No music, it's very dramatic, it's very slow burn. You know, this one's sort of a... I don't know, this one's sort of a hangout thing, but No Country's definitely not hangout or anything. That's just a standard slow burn. Zombieland, I wouldn't really call a slow burn. Why am I comparing Zombieland and No Country for Old Men? That's just ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, I think that's the end of my... Uh, ramblings. Good. George has been going on for 25 minutes. Wow. Um, <laughs> all right. But in all seriousness, I hope that was at least okay in terms of the thing. It's been a while since I've done a movie uh, podcast episode. So yeah, if you want to inspire, innovate, create, electrify, we need your voice because you can change things for the better. Now change things for the better. Peace out.